What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome back to a brand new year, a brand new episode. Ringside Rewind is back because much like Vince McMahon, we just could not stay away. Uh, of course, I am one of your hosts, one half of the podcast tag team wrestling champions of the world, Chris Jardine, a.k.a. Snaggle J. And of course, it would not be the same without my main man with the hot tag, Mr. Chris Doyle. What is up, good sir? Oh, you know, it's been quiet, not much going on, you know, just kind of been hanging out. I mean, I really talked about all of the news in my intro. We could probably just wrap it up and uh, and get out of here. Pretty much. I do want to say uh, I do want to apologize for all to the listeners. Uh, we, you know, we took an extended break again. My fault. Uh, Snags and I have talked about it. We're going to I still have some limitations on what I can do physically rec- to record. So we're going to try to do some shows. They're going to be some sor- shorter shows. Maybe more news-based over the next little bit as my physical limitations kind of increase or, or decrease as we uh, move along. But I am happy to be back. Well, listen, I I think I speak for myself. Well, obviously I speak for myself, but I think I speak for all of the listeners out there when I say, listen, you know what? We're uh, I'm happy you're you're doing better. You know what? You know what? I talk constantly uh, outside of the podcast realm and then. You know what? I don't think, you know, you started that off by apologizing. Obviously, you don't need to apologize. This is something that we do for fun. Uh, your personal health uh, will always trump uh, our getting together and talking about the absolutely foolish entertainment landscape that we call professional wrestling. But having so said that, the number one thing we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about it. For, we're going to try to do about a half an hour or so. But obviously, what we're going to talk about is the whole Jericho Appreciation Society showing up at PWG on Sunday. Yeah, that's the only it, thing that's happened, really. I mean, that's it, really there's nothing. It, oh, um, yeah, Vince. Yeah, there's that whole Vince thing. I think the PWG thing is interesting, by the way. I think it was it, there was no real word about it beforehand. Obviously. Uh, Daniel Garcia being the the PWG being a P I don't know the the name of the belt that he holds but he is a PWG, PWG world champion yeah he is the world champion okay yeah. so you know obviously there's a connection there uh, but yeah it, people were scrambling to find out the last time Jericho had appeared on a on an independent show apparently it's been some time <laughs> um you do do you know who the one of the owners of PWG is uh, I do not Excalibur oh well there you go Excalibur so, and Super Dragon. Uh, are the uh, owners of PWG and we'll be able to see video of that in six months when they release it on DVD. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Jericho Appreciation yeah, Society. Alert. The Jericho Appreciation Society won, um, which again, not surprising. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, so we would be doing our listeners a disservice if we didn't wade into the whole Vince McMahon thing. I think it's kind of funny because we originally had planned on recording on Thursday and uh <laughs> and uh something came up uh, uh unfortunately i was unable to record again 100% my fault um but in hindsight probably a good thing that we didn't <laughs> because there's been a lot happened since thursday uh in regards to wwe vince mcmahon the company selling it the rights all it's just been it's been a wild 72 hours for uh, the WWE front office. Yeah, we and I think it all really kind of started Thursday night. We kind of started hearing rumors uh, of yeah. Vince saying, well, if I'm not back, I'm not agreeing to any rights uh, deals or to sell the company. Uh, Vince holds 83% of the voting share. Uh, of uh, the company uh, World Wrestling Entertainment Incorporated. Yeah. Um, so it was really a power play for him to come back. Um, we had heard rumors before, a little bit before Christmas, that Vince was thinking he come thinking of coming back because he says he got bad advice from people around him oh, when he left. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, in the. Uh, when he left in the, it was like the summer, late summer, early fall, um, after some uh, New York 
uh, New York Times investigation yeah. uh, of things that have gone on in WWE with Vince. And uh, it, I do find it funny that Vince has, had decided to come in and uh, kind of take over the company on January 6th. Uh, kind of something that he may have learned from a friend of his. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, so, I mean, so let's go through the particulars of this real quick you know, before we get into too much to the opinion stuff. So essentially, Vince has reinstalled himself by force as the chairman of WWE, along with two of his uh, flunkies whose names elude me at the moment. Um, but essentially, it was a package deal where he brought himself and two other members back to the board, uh, replacing three other members who I'm sure you have never heard of. Um According to what we're hearing, it's business as usual. Uh, you know, Nick Khan, Stephanie McMahon, uh, and Paul Levesque continue to run the company. Frank Riddick is also still in his position on the board of directors. Um, according to what we're hearing, Vince is not currently going to shows or working out of the office, uh, but has only been brought back or has only brought himself back to be part of two particular negotiations around the company, one of which is the TV rights deals, which are coming due, and the other is talks to sell the company. Um, those within WWE noted that the key people in that key people in company were aware that this power play would be attempted. Um, you know, I think. There was a lot of news and tweets and reports uh, through Friday and most of the weekend saying that the majority of, of employees and um, obviously the performers were completely blown away by this, that there was absolutely zero internal conversation in advance of this other than, you know, the rumors that we all re uh, read and, you know, listened to. A meeting was held Friday where it was made clear that everything will be staying the same, that Vince is there to negotiate a potential sale, that there is no guarantee there will be a sale, and also that the company could be taken private. Uh, so again, that was done in an effort to sort of quell the Vince is coming back to destroy the creative advances we've made, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a few minutes. Uh, at this meeting, headed by Nick Khan, uh, by Stephanie McMahon, and by Frank Riddick, they talked about Vince being back to negotiate a possible sale and the next media rights deal. They noted Vince would have final say in both of those deals. Again, that is his right as the majority shareholder, uh, but he wanted to be involved directly in negotiating them as chairman of the board. All employees were there, but none of the talent. And of course, they pushed this as a positive for the company. Khan directly referenced Comcast, which was owned by NBC Universal, Disney, which is owned by ABC ESPN, and Netflix as potential buyers. We now know that that list is significantly longer than those three. Uh, it was also reported on Monday that WWE has hired J.P. Morgan to help the company advise on a potential sale. According to people familiar with the matter, J.P. Morgan has not commented on it. Uh, neither has the WWE, but this was reported by CNBC. So it's not like we have a uh, Joe John's Pro Wrestling .net out there saying it. this is a, a CNBC report. Uh, they also went on the record saying if a deal occurs, it would likely occur in the next three to six months. Um, the people who said this, uh, were asked not to be named because obviously the discussions are private. WWE plans to talk to potential buyers before it makes a decision on the TV rights renewal agreements. Uh, and again, I had made reference to, um, the list. Obviously there were some rumors going around. Uh, and I'm sure you're Chris, you're going to want to touch on this one that the, uh, that Saudi Arabia's public investment fund is emerging as a possible bidder for WWE. That is the same group that, uh, owns and manages live golf, which has not been shy to be in the news over the last, uh, eight, 12 months. Also, we've heard Amazon Fox Endeavor, who is the owner of UFC, uh, Liberty media who owns formula one and talent agency CAA have also been listed as potential suitors by front office sports. Chris, thoughts? Um, the only way Vince wasn't coming back is with if he had got caught with a silver bullet, and it would have had to have been a silver one. Um, he, on the business, let's not look at it as, on the, as a wrestling story. Let's look at it as a business yep. story. Um, WWE stock price, as we record this, is up. 4% today to 87.49. Uh, a share that's up $3.48. Uh, 
today. The market cap for it is $6.53 billion. So let's say to make the math easy, a sale of this type is probably looking in the $7 billion mark. I would like to just point out Thursday at 345 Eastern time, the stock was under $72 and it is now over $87. So you're looking at a stock that, since this was announced, is up over 20%, which is, again, not nothing. That's not nothing. And it, like, obviously you buy on the rumor and sell on the sale um, for stocks. So, like, that'll that'll calm down a little bit as we go on. Um Vince doesn't think that his past controversies is going to matter in the sale. Um, I tell you, I agree. I agree with him on that, actually. Yeah, I, I think, I think you're you're right there because you're not buying, you're not buying Vince McMahon as the face, the public face of WWE anymore. Um, especially if if he's just back to do the sale and the TV rights deal. I mean, he's looking to put. 83% of $7 billion in his pocket. Yeah. I, so here's the thing. Two things I want to say on this. If you're, I don't think Vince being back hurts the sale in any way. Because any, any of these companies, doesn't matter who it is, with maybe the exception of the Saudis, which we're going to get to in a sec. It, it, any of these companies is buying the company contingent on Vince McMahon having absolutely nothing to do with it after the sale closes. You're not going to see Disney buy this company and let Vince McMahon still be a part of it. It's just not going to happen. Any of these companies is buying it on the contingency that Vince goes away forever. And again, you know, he's going to come out of this filthier and richer than he's ever been um, and will secure the future of his family of the shareholders of wwe forever so i i think vince is going into this knowing that once this sale closes and again we're saying it as if it's an eventuality obviously it is a big if um but i think once this company sells i think vince is done with wwe like done 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 i don't don't think think, a company's buying i think it is an eventuality i think this yeah this is the first sale Oh, I think, um, I think I think so, but I, but again, right? It, it, the one thing you always know, and again, I you know, not to turn into a wrestling story, but in wrestling, nothing's for sure, right? It, you know, it, this is this could be one of those things where the right deal doesn't come along, um, and you know, all of a sudden now you're you're six, eight, ten months into this, you pull it off the market, you know, inflation blows up, the the economy tanks, all of a sudden it's like, well, we're we're no longer in a good selling climate um i think the other interesting part of this in terms of of the sale and and vince being back i think there's no sense in talking about the tv rights because the tv rights can't be finalized until the company is sold um i because again because it will immediately limit your competition you can't go out and negotiate tv rights with fox and usa and then try to sell it to netflix (laughs) it it doesn't it's it's not going to work that way so the tv rights thing here is completely secondary in my opinion because again i think if they go out and they renegotiate tv rights you're going to severely cut your sale pool of who's going to buy the company the, Unless it's one of those companies you you negotiate the TV rights with. But again, you already have a product that's on two different networks that are not going to play nice together in a sale. So. Well, and that's what I was just going to say. You will not see Raw and SmackDown, like Raw and USA and SmackDown on Fox after this TV deal. Like, that's not going to happen again. Oh, 100% no. This You're going to see, again, you look at all of the names that have been mentioned, right? You're really falling into two different pools on one hand you have content providers comcast disney netflix amazon fox of those who have been rumored all content distribution companies right all have been very aggressive in trying to acquire uh new properties because every one of these with the exception of i think fox 
has a streaming service. I'm sure Fox has some sort of online crap that nobody uses, but Fox you know, you is have... a partner. Fox is a partner with Hulu. Okay. So, so not in again, Canada, but big in the States. Right. So and with Comcast, obviously you have Peacock in the States. With Disney, you have Disney Plus. Um, and also, I think with Disney Plus, you also have to consider the possibility of ESPN Plus because, again, it's all under the same umbrella. Obviously, with Netflix, you have Netflix. So all of these are content companies. On the other side, you have companies like Endeavor, Liberty Media. These companies are primarily focused on sporting products, right? You know, obviously, with being the owner of the UFC, um, Endeavor has a little bit of, uh, of, of experience in dealing with large-scale events and, and all that fun stuff. Same thing with Liberty Media, right, with Formula One, although I don't think Formula One and WWE really go together. Some might argue with me and say it goes together perfectly the way Formula One operates sometimes, but... So, I, I, again, I think when you look at this from a standpoint, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with people, um, not necessarily like, you know, you and I haven't gone super in depth with it yet. But, you know, Netflix to me is a really interesting proposition. And I think the biggest thing that, that from a, a fan's perspective, as you look at the business side of this, how will WWE content change in a sale? We've, you know, we've had the WWE Network now for almost 10 years where you've had this accessible platform to every uh, premium live event, um, all of this amazing content, you know, 24-7. How does that change in the future? What, if this goes to Netflix, are they just going to integrate it with Netflix and that, which I think is cool and fine. And, um, you know, if you go to like Endeavor, for example, are we going back to pay-per-view models? Um, it, it's... I think there's a lot going on with this and that, and, and I really do think as much, you can talk about the stuff that he's done aside. This is not a court of law. This is a podcast. I really don't think there's anybody better equipped to handle what is to come with this company than Vince McMahon. Let's start. I want to start with the content part of it and then we'll go, we'll go to the, to Saudi Arabia. Um, I think Netflix has, does not have events, pay-per-view events. You pay the money, you get everything. I think WWE would launch into that. They are not afraid to put big money, Netflix, into content because content drives subscriptions. Amazon or Amazon Prime does have the ability because they integrate their movie pay-per-views into um, into the free Prime service. ESPN or Disney, number one, I don't think it's a guarantee that ESPN makes it out of this year as a Disney property. They're looking to spin that out. Yeah. Um, the, of course, and then with ESPN Plus, th- it does... It is pay-per-view. The UFC uses it for the pay-per-view. I think the Endeavor part of it does match with ESPN because mm-hmm. there's a relationship there. Yeah. S- same thing with Liberty Media and Netflix because they partner up on that Drive to Survive show, which has kind of yeah. given Formula One a higher profile in the States. What really concerns me about this and I haven't seen a lot of people talk about this, and I kind of want to get your thoughts on it, is what when I immediately heard the news, and again, like you had said, right, this is something that had been rumored before Christmas that Vince was going to come back specifically to negotiate the sale and the TV rights, but focusing specifically on the sale. Where I have major concerns is from, is Vince McMahon negotiating this deal with his head or with his heart? Again, right, Vince has done some horrible things. We're not trying to to sweep that under the rug or underlay that or anything. But I'm growing increasingly concerned that Vince is trying to negotiate this deal as the guy who's the WWE's been in his family for 60 years and all of this stuff instead of as a businessman. And I'm curious, do you think that that, is first of all is it a valid concern and second of all do you think that is his primary motivation from coming back that he wants to be the one that 
D McMahon's the WWE. I think this is his, this is his swan song. This is the return. And if he's able to put together the sale of the company, this becomes the end of the film. Not him resigning in disgrace. So I think there's probably a little bit more to that, but I don't, I think Vince McMahon is in it at this point for the money. I want to sell. I want to make sure we get the best deal. But I think he also kind of wants to make sure that it's going to sell to a place that is going to take care of it. People have talked about Warner Brothers Discovery being part of this. There is not a snowball's chance in hell that Vince sells to Warner Brothers Discovery. Because A, it's a Ted Turner company in the background. And B, um, with their treatment of the Warner Brothers DC part of it, since Discovery has come in, I don't think Vince trusts them to do it. Obviously, that's me projecting, but... Right. They are canceling things and taking things off streaming um, that are popular, but cost right. them money. That's fair. Um, two more things I want to ask you about this before we move on. Um, one, what do you make of the Saudis reported interest in this? And do you think they are a legitimate buyer or is this just one of those it's being reported, but has uh, no snowballs chance in hell of happening. I think it, I don't think it's not a snowball's chance in hell. It won't happen because they have the money to throw ridiculous amounts of money at it. Mm-hmm. Like if the market cap is $7 billion, they can go 14 without blinking an eye. Right. And that's just, that's money. You can't, no matter what, that's money. You can't turn down like just mm-hmm. on a shareholders basis. Um, I, I personally don't want to see it because, and you mentioned live golf. Yep. Um, live golf had be, has become kind of a pariah on the golf yep. scene. It has a hundred percent because of its connections to Saudi Arabia and WWE's already in business with Saudi Arabia for yep. two or three shows per year. I think it could happen. Uh, I think they're on the outlier again once because they don't have a place to stream the content. Right. Like they do, they would have to then turn around and do deals for TV rights and do another deal with Peacock or, or NBC Universal for the streaming service there. So. I, I don't think they're set up for it unless yeah. unless they just want it and I they think, come in with a ridiculous amount of money. I think the issue, the, listen, I, I don't think the Saudis are a serious competitor in this sale only because there's no way in hell the Saudi public investment fund is going to be able to operate within North America. Um, yes, they've run a few live golf events, but you're talking about a company that runs two uh, TV shows and four to five house shows a week in the United States. Uh, And I don't think the U S government is going to allow that for very long. Um, I don't, don't, uh, don't, I, and yes. And do not be surprised if the new ownership of WWE, when this happens, Mm. because eventually it's going to happen. Yes, I agree. Um, don't be surprised if house shows go away. Oh, 100%. Um, I, I, I know we got some other stuff, but I want to ask you one more thing. WWE okay. sells. Um, Mike Snow, I know this is a loaded question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, is Triple H going with the company, or if this company sells, is he done? Because I think it makes a big difference. I think he goes with the company. In a transitionary fashion. In a transitionary fashion with a non-compete for a period of time. Yeah. And then maybe 
walks out, like I say, his non-compete is his non-compete would probably say be five years. Maybe he sticks around five years and makes a deal at the end of it. Yeah. Because Stephanie's going to have part of this sale. Right. And to be perfectly honest about it, Vince has had cocaine and Red Bull for 50 years. So his heart could explode at any moment. And Stephanie's going to receive some of that as a inheritance. Maybe he gets a deal where he does the non-compete for five years. And then maybe he buys NXT and it's uh, rights and intellectual property and things like that and goes off on his own. I, I, yeah, I think realistically, I think yeah, again, as a shareholder of the company, Stephanie will be will be done the minute this sells. Oh yeah, she's. I, become, I really look forward yeah. to, and it, you know, we're putting the cart way before the horse here, but I think it's going to be really interesting to when we finally do have a sale to look at what that means for the future of WWE because again, we have you have this company that two years ago was left for dead by most of the fans that they never thought Vince was going to be able to change. Uh, things were very gloomy. People were turning away from the product. You had this upstart company that was drawing viewers away. And two years later, it could not be more opposite. Um, you, you, you've had this resurgence of the product and resurgence of creative all due to the absence of Vince McMahon. And now Vince McMahon is back. Um, we're told not to have anything to do with the on-screen product. I call BS on that a million times over because it's Vince McMahon. But it's, this is going to be an interesting story to follow because... Um, it, it's going to have major ramifications on the impact of professional wrestling for years to come. Speaking of something that had a profound impact on the history of professional wrestling, Chris, I know you are, we, man, we've discussed many times in this podcast, your never ending love of new Japan pro wrestling. Well, <laughs> wrestle kingdom was last week. And, uh, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to admit, I did not watch the whole show. I watched highlights for the majority of the matches with the exception of, uh, the double main event. Um, but listen, I, I'm just going to let you have ham with this one because I think we're looking at it. One of the better wrestle kingdoms, um, that we've had in some time and possibly a, at least a match, possibly two matches that should be up for the immediate induction into the wrestling match hall of fame. I agree. Uh, first off, I'd like to have just a second of silence for the uh, uh, demise of Suzuki-gun. Okay, thank you. Um, they split up at the last show before <laughs> before uh, Chris or before the new year, um, and that kind of moves on as we go into Wrestle Kingdom. It, the Wrestle Kingdom was a great show. It was long. It always is, though. I mean, it was a long. Show. Um, it's their WrestleMania, right? So we, we kind of give them a pass. It was about the, the, the video that I got was six hours and 20 minutes. Long. Oh my God. Yeah. But that all included the pre-show matches and there was like a half hour in between each pre-show match. Right. So you, you included that. Uh, it was a great show. New Japan is getting a little stale at the top. Yeah. Um, I like Kazuchika Okada, great, but I don't know. And you're kind of stuck in the middle here that you had to have him in the show because he had to do the Inoki chant, this being the Antonio Inoki memorial show. So you needed to do that. But I don't, like, I'd like to see some new blood kind of move up and be more than a tradition or a transitional champion like Jay White is great. And I think he's going to make a pile of money when he, ag when he leaves to go to WWE well, or AEW at some that point. Was gonna be, that was going to be my question. Do you think Jay White leaving necessitated them putting the title back on Okada? Cause I kind of felt like Jay White's title run kind of left a little bit on the table. Like we know he, he only defended it what twice yeah something uh, like that he defended it in the four-way match at uh, forbidden door um like do you think that this was more of a 
we have to do it because of contractual stuff because Jay White's going to show up at the Rumble or show up at on AEW permanently soon? Or do you just think this was one of those situations where they, they wanted to start the year off with Okada on top? Um, I think, again, I think the show needed Okada at the top at the end. He had to be the conquering hero. Um, because of again the, the this being the Inoki show, right? Um, but it's time to move some guys up. Yeah, and they like you've got guys like Tomatonga, uh, Red Narita is really good. Shuta Umino is really good. Yeah. Um, on the junior heavyweight side, like that junior heavyweight match was great. Um. The women's division match was meh. And then we had the arrival of Mercedes Monet, Sasha Banks. Um, So, but that's kind of a weird one too, where they, she debuted in Japan, but she's really going to be working a lot on the U S on the USA side. And they've just announced that uh, NJPW strong is ending with this taping uh, term. So they've taped last weekend. That that show is done, which kind of leads into uh, Tony Khan talking about Ring of Honor coming back and New Japan having a face there. So you may see more New Japan and ROH on the ROH TV show, which is going to be on Honor Club. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Because, and again, you know, I don't think it's any secret to anybody who listens to this show that that you are a much larger NJPW fan than I am. But I feel like there's been no change to the names at the top of the card for like four years. Oh, it's been longer than that. <laughs> like, like, like we added, we added like, Jake White. Like, I'm surprised. I'm surprised we didn't have uh, Tanahashi in one of the main events. <laughs> like, well, yeah, it's it's. I think it's. I think it's interesting because, you know, and again, this is not just a NJPW problem. I mean, uh, wrestling promotions go through this problem all the time. It, it, it's 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 a delicate balance between having too few and too many stars at the top because you only have so many titles to go around. You only have so many main events they could be in. But I think if you had to decide, because I mean, here's the thing is, is that now, where do you go from here? Right? I, I don't think Hiromu Takahashi, who, uh, you know, picked up the, the junior heavyweight champion, I don't think he's ready for, for, for a run at the top yet. Like, where do you go from here? Will Ospreay is, is, is weakened in his position in NJPW right now. Um, I think Jay White is out the door. Um, I, I know, you know, obviously, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, but I think what, what happened with Jay White, subsequently after wrestle kingdom shows me even more that he's out the door mm-hmm. um I, I i what do you get like we get kenny <laughs> are you gonna go to are you gonna go to wrestle kingdom uh, next year with kenny and okada on top like i think like no i think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be uh naito yeah i think that's probably i i think What's going to be interesting to me is to see what, because again, I, I'm also not 100% sure that Will Ospreay is long for, for Japan. Um, I think these guys are going to are going to start realizing that there's better opportunities in America and at more money, um, especially now that we're, I don't want to say past COVID, but now that the world, for the most part, on an, from an entertainment standpoint, has figured out how to deal with it. And movement is free again. Um, again, I worry that the Jay Whites and the and the Will Ospreys and more of the non-Japanese talent doesn't want to work in in NJPW. Well, as, and they as can, much or at all. Yeah, and I mean they can with the the working agreement with AEW, right? Work in the states for the most part, and then come over for the big shows. Or you may not even need to come over now with if New Japan and ROH are a thing on TV and on their pay-per-views and things like that. Um, it was a great show. Definitely check out Omega and Osprey. That was a 
17 stars, whatever Dave, you want to say. Dave Meltzer on the record said it was one of his top five matches of all time. Yeah, I can see it. And it, um, and, and I would have to say for me, it, it would uh, top five might be pushing it, but it would be awful. It would be on the honorable mentions at the very least. The spot where Osprey did the, they did the DDT onto the exposed uh, buckle and Osprey fell to the mat head first. I literally was on my couch watching it and yeah. like got tried to get up and screamed Jesus because I yeah. thought he was dead. Like um, I did not like Okada J White. Eh, it was a weird it's, match. And maybe that was following the Omega Osprey match. I felt like their but, chemistry was off. Yeah. I know I, I know Okada and White have worked in the same ring together before, but I, I felt like something was off in this match. It was not by any stretch of the imagination a bad match. But what was your first, what was your second top five? What was your second great match on this? But well, well I, I think so. I feel like it was so because to me it, it was one of those things where I didn't hate the the main event, and maybe it was just the match before it being so good that I was so into it. Like I don't want to say I like absolutely loved Okada J White through the roof, but I didn't hate it. I thought it was really good. Um, I, I think it's going to be a match that is going to be one of those people forget about it because it was after Omega and Osprey. Um, it, but I still thought it was really good. The uh, the uh, four way junior heavyweight championship match was great, but it's always yes. great. Um, dark horse for breakout star in that match is El Desperado. Mm. Yeah. So that was Wrestle Kingdom. Next day, we move on to New Year's Dash, where we kind of get into things that are going going to happen. Uh, yeah. Okada and Omega teamed up in the main event of the show. They defeated uh, Jeff Cobb and Hanare of the United Empire. Uh, Cobb and Omega went face-to-face. Jeff Cobb wants the first shot at the IWGP United States Championship. Uh, Shingo Takagi, who is the first uh, contender for Okada, in the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, also became the King of Pro Wrestling 2023 Provisional Champion. Uh, also, after the match, uh, the Great Okan confronted Takagi, holding the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship. So they may be trying to strap a rocket to Takagi again, which mm-hmm. I'm perfectly fine with. I like Great Okan. I do not like the gimmick. I don't think the gimmick fits the guy. Yeah. Um. Takamichinoku, Tachi, Kanemaru, and uh, Doki came out uh, for one of the mystery tag matches because that's the thing on New Year's Dash this year was it was the mystery vortex. Yes. Where you didn't know what the matches were. Mm-hmm. Um, they, all four of those guys used to be in Suzuki-Goon. They have now come together as a stable called Just Four Guys, <laughs> which I kind of like. Which oh, yeah, it's me, wonderful. Well, because Taka Michinoku's um, catchphrase is just tap out. So I think Michinoku is going to be mostly a manager for the other three. Um, they defeated, uh, actually, just, uh, Osprey, TJP, and Akira of the United Empire. And then it looks like they're going to kind of be matched together. Um, the Mighty Don't Kneel. Uh, defeated uh, Yoshi, Hashi, Hiroki Goto, and Tomohiro Ishii. Um, at Wrestle Kingdom, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. rejoined uh, TMDK. He had been a member before. Uh, and then they sat on the apron after the match, and Zack Sabre, who's kind of become the leader, said they needed a new member. And they got Kozi Fujita, who is a young lion. Uh, and made him a member of a TMDK. Uh, that's one of the things that the ownership of New Japan has talked about, is they want to make the Young Lion program kind of move a little further, and maybe not everybody goes on excursion. Uh, so this will be one of the ways they do that, is by bringing in 
uh, a young lion to be the young boy for that faction. And I do want to say, I love the faction base of New Japan. I think that I love it. I like the way AEW does it as well. Um, everybody is in a faction, even if you're not in a faction. So I kind of like the Makes way sense. that works out. And then as you were talking about, uh, Jay White has challenged Hikaleo to a loser leaves Japan match, which is very interesting wording because it's not a loser leaves new Japan match. Yeah. It's a loser leaves Japan, yeah. which could set up Jay White to head to whatever is becoming of NJPW strong in the States. Yeah. And I think it's important to note, according to uh, several industry sources, Jay White does have um, NJPW bookings past the end of January, which which means that should he, and I don't think he's going to WWE, but it would be uh, not in time for the Royal Rumble, according to uh but we all know, you know, again, right, that didn't seem to be an issue with Carl Anderson, um, who, again, has done something that I don't think we've seen a lot of um, WWE talent do, which is he, he re, I mean, he, he wrestled. At, at, Nakamura at, uh, faced Muda at, yeah, uh, at, at a Noah show. Yeah, that's right. So I, I think so, again, right, the pro wrestling landscape is not what it was two, three years ago. Um, but again, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what becomes of Jay White. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with NJPW Strong and, and all of that fun stuff. But uh, a lot of a lot of buzz around New Japan. Again, you know, they they kick off the year with Wrestle Kingdom, kind of gets everybody going, uh, and that and then we're right into something that we're probably going to talk about a lot next week, which is uh, the Royal Rumble, because um, it's Rumble season, baby. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, do we have to talk about this last part? Because the the beginning of it, I just hate. Because I don't know how much I want to talk about AEW today, but <laughs> um, we don't uh, have to. I mean, no, let's let's run through the news of it real quick and uh, okay. And, uh, so MJF, just so we're being completionists here, right? Uh, AEW uh, World Champion MJF and Brian Danielson issued dueling challenges to each other last Wednesday on Dynamite in order to make a title match at March's. Revolution pay-per-view possible. Uh, first, Danielson just said, no, uh, I'm not going to accept your challenge, Dude, MJF. So. And then threw out his own. Uh, so M- uh, MJF does not get to pick the opponents, but Danielson has to win every match between last Wednesday and the yeah. 8th of February. Yeah, we're recycling this same crap again. Like, 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 uh, like. Uh, listen, wrestling has always been a sphere of theft, for, you know. Because when you have something that works, but like, this is the third time that we've had to see somebody go through the grueling challenges of Mordor to get to a match. Like, like, it's like we're we're going to this well a little too much. As soon as I started to see that develop. I was like, come on, we're doing this again? But I think With the difference... With MJF again? The difference this time is they make a point of saying MJF does this all the time. Uh, yeah, Where I it's guess. more of a character trait of his. Um, but if Danielson wins all those matches, he gets to pick the stipulation for the Revolution match, and he's already announced it. If he gets through... It will be Danielson and MJF in a one-hour Ironman match at Revolution. I don't know if I need an hour of MJF. You know what? I would. Danielson maybe, will make it work. I would maybe kind of be interested in seeing that. Uh, again, it's. I'm not. I, here's the thing. I've said before. I don't hate the idea of one-hour Ironman matches, if they're done well, right? I don't think we can go back to the well of of uh, Michaels and Hart where you wrestle 60 minutes without a fall. I think that would put people to sleep in 2023. Um, I don't think that's a realistic thing. But, I, 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 you know, I do think it does give you some leeway. What I don't like about it from the AEW standpoint is that they have way too many guys that need to get on the card and you're dedicating, you know, an hour and 
five hour and 10 minutes. Once you factor in the promo packages and the intros and the post match, whatever of a, of a, of a show to this, you know, that's two other matches with, you know, four to 10 other guys that can't get on a card. Um, and where you have AEW and again, you know, I don't want to go too far in the AEW thing, but like it, it has not been a rosy several months for them. I have fallen way off the AEW wagon. Their booking is, is ridiculous as of late. Um, it's just, they're in AEW's in a really rough spot right now where they're losing viewers week after week. Um, and they don't really seem to be building anything coherent. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, I think a lot of people thought MJF was going to be the guy that was, they, they put him on top and it sort of sets them in this new direction, but it's just been a bunch of the same, you know? So it, I, it's weird. It's, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think between now and revolution is in early March, mid March. I don't remember when in March it is, but the March. Yeah. So, you know, you're, Two months away from your next big paper. No, sorry, I, that's the eighth of February. Uh, let me check. You talk, I'll fight. I'll figure it out. It, either way, it's in March. We know it's a couple months away. I think they need wholesale fundamental change. I think the, I mean, you know, the the trio, the best of seven trios thing has been interesting to watch. Um, I'm glad they went with the whole like, hey, we're gonna let one team get up three one and then have the other team come back. Um, you know, it, it, it's been a little bit of a breath of fresh air with that. Um, but like a lot of the stuff that they're doing on the card right now, people just don't care. Um, it, it's, they have to start building storylines that get people to care because I feel like they just crank out the same crap every Wednesday and every Friday. And it's just boring right now. So I'm I not into it. I disagree more. I couldn't. I, like, like, I, like I, just, I, I, I just, I, I, the excitement's just not there. Like, like for me personally, and I don't know, maybe it's just, maybe I've just become old and ambivalent to professional wrestling, but I'm enjoying Raw and SmackDown, SmackDown especially a million times more than AEW right now. Like it's not even close. Yeah. I, and we're, we're coming up to our out. So, um, yep. but uh, what I will say, and we'll talk about more this more next week. Uh, by the way, Revolution March fifth. Okay. Um, the um, yes, AEW had some booking problems. Yep. Yes, AEW had was snake bitten for about six months, where everything they like they made a big deal about bringing in the firm and bringing in Stokely and that, and then they were supposed to go fight punk and then punk gets injured and there's yeah. the all out brawl and the EVPs are gone and punk is gone. Yep. Yeah. And all so there's of that a, cast a huge shadow. Yeah. But that I like to me, I like SmackDown. I can't, I still can't do raw, but I think I Raw's watch, pretty good because of the SmackDown tie-ins. Yeah. I watch SmackDown because Bray yeah. Wyatt's on there and we can talk well, about and that the, and, too. The, and the bloodline is the best thing going in, in wrestling. It's 100%. Not, it's not even close. I will say this before we go, because I want to, you know, just to be the one thing that AEW has that you, you cannot change is the, well, I mean, you can, but it's not as easy to change. They have the talent. I just think right now they're having issues deploying the talent. And I do agree Right. I think the whole punk bucks, all that BS cast a big, long shadow hangman being hurt. You know, the hangman concussion. That was an issue. They they did have a string of bad luck of, of stuff that was outside of Tony Khan's control. I will agree to that. But and they have they do still have the talent. There's so much talent there. Yes, they have a lot of guys that are down and out injured right now or their storyline written off or whatever, but they still have a tremendously talented roster. I um, just, I, I, they have some really big issues with how they're deploying that talent right now. That again, you're coming up to revolution, right? So you, you get your chance for a reset and I do think they're listening and I do think they're, they're the product is getting better and they're moving forward. I just think creatively they need a big reset and revolution might be that. Them. At one point, we're going to have a conversation about, how 
Tony Khan gets looked at by some in the wrestling atmosphere and by some fans and why it's wrong to look at him that way. I have a theory. We can get to that sometime in the next couple we of could, weeks. We can talk about that next time. We can also talk about how um, uh, I'm bored of the Bray Wyatt uh, oh. LA, LA night thing already. Anyway, Chris, take us to the outro. Oh, let's my God. You, oh, Wow. Uh, well, that's what we think. Well, what do you think? You can uh, let us know on our socials. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter at Ringside Rewind. You can also check us out uh, on our website, ringsiderewind.com. And on TikTok, we're there as well, Ringside Rewind. Uh, Chris has been doing some stuff, and uh, we'll be doing some rumble picks in there, I'm sure. And don't forget to check out your hosts. I am at C.D. Lawrence, and he is at Snaggle J. That's right. I am at Snaggle J, the stirrer of pots, you might say. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Ringside Rewind. We are glad to be back in your ear holes. Uh, if you're listening on ringsiderewind.com or in your podcast app of choice on Android or iOS, we greatly appreciate it. Reach out to us. Let you know what you think of the show. I, I, I want to know. I want to hear from you guys specifically. We're in rumble season. Reach out to us, twitter.com slash ringside rewind. Let, let us know who you think uh, is going to win the women's and men's Royal Rumble. Uh, and we'll probably talk about that next week. I am sure. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, be kind and rewind. And try not to poke the bear when the, at the end of the podcast. Wow.